One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's Lindegaard. In goes Stewart! They've only gone and done it! And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis! He could win it! He probably has won it for Yeovil! Oh, and it's an opening goal! What a start! Stansfield, good turn away from Trott, goal! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glover's Cast. Uh, joined tonight by Dave. Uh, Dave, how are you doing? Bit of a historic day today, hasn't it? It's absolutely a historic day, and I don't know whether the fact that Ben is not with us has got anything to do with it. I'm not suggesting he's had a hand in anything, but uh, he may be. He may be in a period of mourning. <laughs> a hand in anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, it's been a, a well a sad day, particularly recording on Thursday night. Uh, some sad news today about Marcus Stewart. And his diagnosis of uh, suffering from motor neurone disease. Um, I think we, you know, we're all our thoughts are with Marcus and his family. And I know there's a Just Giving page raising yeah. raising money for a motor neurone disease charity. But that news was quite shocking when that landed in our inboxes today, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. And um, as you say, somebody that everybody looks to and thinks to yourself, what a what a great footballer and what a great you know, football brain as well. And that was the, that was the thing that always made Marcus Stewart stand out as a, um, as a player. But um, it, it was, I was actually quite obviously shocked to, to hear the news Re- reading through his statement and what he said in there about how he wants to use the time that he's got um, to 
enjoy his football, enjoy his football while he can, and obviously enjoy spending time with his family whilst he can. And then listening to Chris Hargreaves talk afterwards about, I think he used the phrase business as usual. And he was saying how Marcus had come and he told the players during a week and he had a laugh and a joke about it all. And th- to me, that was probably the bravest thing about the, all of it, because we, we've all spoken. You've seen a lot of people talk about what, a, what you know, what what a tragic thing it is, and it, it's remarkably brave to be able to confront something like he's having to confront with a smile on his face and being able to say, "Look, I I realise that I might not have." forever to be able to do the things that I love doing. So I'm just going to do them to the best of my ability until they can. And and I think that's a brilliant attitude to take on something like this. And I think, um, yeah, absolutely hats off to him for having, having that attitude. It's a bit of inspiration, I think, to anybody who's, who finds themselves in that situation or anything like it. Definitely. And I think when the manager said, what was his line that, Marcus and I have wanted to win at tiddlywinks yeah. and head yeah, tennis keep, or whatever yeah. it was. And that's yeah. what took Marcus to the top. And I think, you know, there'll be a lot of support across football because, you know, although we think of Marcus as quite a predominantly Southwest focused player because of his history of Bristol City and Bristol Rovers and us, of course, he was up as far as Sunderland, got that big move to Sunderland after a successful season at Ipswich. So, you know, he's been all around the country and, yeah. you know, Premier League footballer. And yeah, I think yeah. Um, the football will rally behind him, won't it? Yeah, a good friend of mine at work is a Huddersfield Town fan and they love Marcus Stewart there still from, for, you know, for what he did for them. So, yeah, I think uh, it says something about him, doesn't it, that you don't hear too many people. Maybe Bristol City, because he didn't have maybe the best of time there, but that was perhaps a personality class with Mr Johnson there. But, yeah, I think by and large, he's uh, he's someone that's widely respected for for what he's done. And like you say, what a, what a career he, he's had. But... Uh, the thing I liked about today was hearing him say he wants to he wants to carry on doing what he can whilst he can and um yeah so it's not just the career that he's had it's the career that he's still having I think that's yeah. an important thing to remember yeah yeah so um yeah our thoughts are with Marcus and his family and um yeah business as usual so hopefully yeah uh, he's still on that training pitch and yeah. teaching making our players a lot better <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of the, there's a lot of messages from players, wasn't there, on social media this afternoon as well. Um, you know, it, it's one of these things that the club, you know, we're now the centre of a cause and the centre of a, um, we've got something to really get behind and fight for, um, which is, you know, which we kind of went through with Lee Collins after he passed. We've now got a, a another thing that, will affect the club for a long time in the future that we need to um, support really and raise awareness of. So, Yeah. And if anybody hasn't seen the Just Giving page, which I think is Marcus and his wife have set up, is uh, there's an article on our website, gloveskast.co.uk, that you can go on, you can find the link, we'll post it on social and all of that. But yeah, it would be great to see um, people doing the kind of things that they've raised for great causes like um, Somerset Mine, in, in memory of Lee Collins, the bike ride, all of these things, it would be great to think that um, you know, Yeovil Town fans can show the uh, the quality that, that we know we've got there. Yeah, 
uh, something of less quality. I was going to say, I set that up wrong. It's the worst, yeah. yeah, the worst transition. So that, you know, yeah, something to rally behind as well is the, you know, the, the horrendous chant that was um, picked up on the microphones uh, at the game on Saturday and the the abuse of Leno John Lewis. Um, the club, you know, have put out a statement saying they've got a zero tolerance of any form of discrimination and, you know, they're looking to, they've started an investigation to um, find the perpetrator. But I was just totally shocked when I heard that earlier this week. You know, I was in, you know, I, I stood right next to the camera um for the for the commentary and you know i never heard anything to, to, to for that to then get picked up was just ah oh, just a real shitter at the start of the week um and i'm yeah just totally disgraceful and i'm, I'm you know i'm sure all right thinking supporters of the football club will agree that just absolutely no place at, at Hewish Park or anywhere at all and for it to for this to come back round again at our club and this type of you know this type of scandal is just the worst yeah and uh, I think it's like I say a, a complete throwback to a to a world uh, to an age that uh, never should never should have existed um but certainly shouldn't exist in in today's world um it's yeah the 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 response, I think, has, has has been good, and we've obviously seen um, uh, uh, on social media. I've certainly seen a few people say that they've had phone calls from the club. The club are actively doing things, and uh, I know we sit here and we do criticise when things don't go right at the club and things aren't right at the club. But I think they actually got to take a hats off to the fact that the club are proactively ringing people that they know had tickets in that area and asking them did you hear anything can you think was there anything that, that we do they've obviously uh you know the police uh even in somerset police have put out an appeal looking for, for witnesses as well and I, I i we obviously don't know who it is that, uh, that that has done it but it is quite an intimidating thing to say oh yeah i know who that was it was so and so and they were sat in that seat and they looked like this so but having that um yeah, the anonymity of Crime Stoppers or whatever it is, um, 101, I think it is, even Somerset P uh, Police, you can do, you can go there and you can say these things without anybody, anybody knowing who you are, you don't have to give your name, don't have to do anything with that. And, and I really do hope that there is someone out there who did hear it and does know who it is. And I, I can't believe for a second that there isn't somebody out there. I know it's not, I don't think it is as simple as saying, well, you were sat within a two block radius. You must know exactly who it is. Um, I know you'd have been stood there with headphones on and commentating and uh, you know, sharing any of your words going through your ears as well. So you're probably well within your rights not to hear anything. But yeah. um, I know everyone, everyone in that press box has yeah. been contacted. Yeah. Um, Which is good, isn't it? That yeah. that is yeah. that is. I think that's a positive, and it shows that there is an actual de desire. Because I saw a few comments, and obviously, with everything happened a couple of years ago, Harringay, everyone saying, "Oh, it's Yeovil Town again." Um, you know, look, they're 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 back in it. Lightning strikes twice, blah blah blah. Um, and it does give us all a bad name. I mean, we'll come to it later, but I'm I'm 
still expecting at the moment to be going down to Woking to watch the game there. I can fully expect there'll be chance from the Woking fans telling us that we're racists and all that kind of thing. And we know that 99.99999% of uh, Yotown fans aren't like that at all. And it only takes a couple of people to, you know, give a bad reputation, as you say. It's happened um, on two occasions with um, with supporters now. Yeah, the Haringey situation, I appreciate it. It's a while ago and it's a different, um, a different scenario, but I think the one thing you say about this is the evidence there is completely irrefutable, isn't it? You listen to it and it's just a, there's no doubt about what's happening there. Yeah, yeah, horrific, so, horrific. Yeah. So hopefully, um, yeah, the investigation is you know, successful and we've, you know, that person is found and, you know, I think shouldn't never be allowed back into Hewish Park again with those sort of attitudes so no here, yeah here. right so <laughs> there we go that's your the, there's the, those bits out the way we need ben for some positivity don't we yeah. um we this evening have spoken to roger pipe and barry david who are the chair and vice chair of the glovers trust uh so we'll go to that now and off the back of that we'll have a bit of a chat about woking you three have got a very good dynamic, you know. All three of you are absolute plebs. You three have got a very good dynamic, you know. All three of you are absolute plebs. You three have got a very good dynamic, you know. All three of you are absolute plebs. Right, so now on the Glover's cast, we are going to speak to two members of the Glover's Trust Board. We've got Roger Pipe, who is the chairman, and Barry David, who is the vice chair. Welcome to the Glover's cast, gents. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, yeah, Dave. Not bad. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, evening. Nice to nice to have you. I I I recognise both your faces, but uh, I don't think we've ever met before. So there we go. This is our first virtual meeting. Yeah, Excellent. good to see you both. I obviously know you both very well. Over the last two years, we've <laughs> seen each other's backdrops quite a lot uh, <laughs> over Zoom. Um, yeah, we've even met Ian, haven't we? We have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have. Um, Busy last couple of years for the Glovers Trust. Um, obviously, earlier this year, uh, the, the group that we, we, you were behind in Simul Sports fell away. What What's sort of been happening with the Trust in the last couple of months or so as we sort of readjust to uh, the, the, well, <laughs> go back to not expecting a change? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, as you know, um, the, the deal with South Somerset went through in, in May, I think it was, wasn't it, this year? Um, you know, Ian, and I, you know, due to Dave as well, that the Glover's Trust opposed the sale to South Somerset District Council. Uh, in May, our chair, um, Brendan, uh, stepped down. So um, I've agreed to, as vice chair, agreed to step up and be chair at least to our IGM and the next meeting afterwards. Uh, we've been you know, looking at well, what do we do next? And, you know, it's a bit like Brexit. It's done, isn't it? You know, we, we then have to deal with it, the consequences of it. So for the, for the Glover's Trust, it's been about looking to what does it, what's the consequences of the deal and what's the consequences for the club? And, um, you know, how can we best represent the views of fans and make sure that, that uh, you know, we are um, Doing, doing our best for the for the supporters and eventually you know hopefully the club um, so we have uh, 
you know, re-engaged with the club. We are attending, you know, the supporters meetings. Um, and we've, uh, you know, obviously got uh, issues in relation, we still have issues in relation to, you know, the sale of the club. Um, um, you know, we can we can go into more more detail about that. But so we are coming up to our AGM in October. We um, will at that time um, be able to have hopefully have new new members, new blood on the board, and it'll be an opportunity for us to um, to speak to the members really about what we've been up to a bit more in in, in the last year. So this is Brexit, Roger. Does that make you Boris Johnson and Barry uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg? Is that right? Or which which political characters would you like to be cast as? <laughs> Barry's giving me a very stunned look. So I don't think Jacob Rees-Mogg's going down so well there. But no, I mean it no, has I been. Think, I, I think you know. Um, I think it's we were the opposition. I think in this case, <laughs> oh, right. okay. we're not the ones pushing it through. I'm going to say, polit I'm not. I'm not really that political, but I'm not sure that's any better, Roger. To be honest with you, so <laughs> maybe slightly better, but uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, the, the obviously the SSDC deal been and went, and um, you know, was part of a lot of the the calls at the start when we were trying to figure out what was going to happen there you you've re-engaged with the club how how receptive have they been to you know to open those lines of communication again well you probably know that there was a supporters alliance group meeting in um june i think it was end of june um which um scott Priestnell came along to with Stuart um and martin stans um, and yeah, it was a you know it's a positive meeting. We did pose a lot of questions. We uh, you know still, as I say, have our concerns about moving forward and what the deal means for the club. And so we we've asked those questions. And um, you know, to be fair, the club have tried to answer those questions honestly. Um, but as we've always say, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And uh, you know, that's what we're as a group of supporters we're trying to. Um, make sure that the club is uh, is true to what it says in in regard to you know the what's coming out of the club is that it's a good deal for the club and it's a good deal for supporters and that's what we need to monitor um, and that's what we have been trying to do and what we will continue to do. Um, I think it's fair to say that you know that there's you know we've not seen a lot um, happen since the the sale to. South Somerset District Council. Um, what is in the offing, I think, is what is the um, are the plans to bring forward the uh, development of what the, um, the land that is owned by the holding company. And so, you know, that's I think happening at the moment. And as a trust, we want to ensure that both the supporters and the local community are involved in the consultation process around that so that's one of the key things that we will be keeping an eye on is you know, that development proposal as it rolls out is there anything you can tell us about that development proposal barry because i know there's been questions asked about it and it's been said there's discussions underway we're talking about things and and, and i know from uh, previous communications that trusted put out back quite some time ago now there were there was almost like a concept plan, I think was the word, wasn't there? Which effectively, from what I could see, showed uh, the Hewish Park 
car park with an awful lot of houses on it. Is, is, is anybody given any indication as what the direction of travel is with any of the development? Not really. I, that, that was simply like, like a proof of concept, like say if we were to develop it, this is how it would look. And it, it just, it was quite scary because it was a loss of the car park, it was a lot of the loss of the training pitches as well. So we, you, I, I suppose we're really just waiting for the, the initial outline planning application to be um, uh, submitted and then we can, we're, 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 we can react on that. As, as Roger said, there's a little bit of waiting for to actually see the ramifications of the, the sale and how, that, and, how that, and how that goes through. We've got a, we can ask the club for transparency, but they quite clearly could wait until any sort of application is prepared and then we can react to it. So there's a little bit of trying to engage with them beforehand and, and, and making it work. Yeah, you know, we can't have houses developed on the car park. It's just, just nonsensical. We won't be allowed to operate football matches on there. So clearly that's that won't be what the, the the final outline is. But how that is that comes to fruition in initial planning is what we need to see. What would you hope it would look like? If you could I know it's a question we've asked ourselves on it quite a few times. What are the kind of things you would hope to to see at Hewish Park? Well, I think the boring answer is what it's zoned for, because that's why the the John Fry retail didn't, because according to the, uh, apologies, it's going to get quite technical and possibly boring. uh, (laughs) The land is zoned for only a certain amount of uses. So it's not zoned for retail use and things like that. So I think it's only going to be probably residential led. It may have some small sort of hotel use, but it's not going to have shops and things like that on it. So it's largely, and given what's happening at the moment with commercial property, it's probably likely to be uh, residential because that's the more, it's not going to guarantee income, but it's, uh, it's a more safer income than trying to do um, sort of logistics use, which is all over that estate anyway. So I would imagine it's going to be residential led. Am I right in saying, sorry to hog all the questions here, but if you sell a, a plot of land and you build houses all over it, you make money once, don't you? That's it. You, you sell it to the developer. The developer gives you some money. They develop that land. They put houses on it. That's it. You don't see any any money further. Is there no possibility, and I'm not suggesting, Barry, that you're some kind of expert on exactly what could you might be, um, uh, that there could be something that could have an enduring benefit to the football club, something Stuart Robbins talked about when he was with us the other way, about having something sustainable, like a social club, like a hotel, like a, you know something that could give a regular rental or income to the to the football club. Well, you could do that with 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 Resi. You could go in a joint venture with it with with a developer and and you get get the rental income um, instead of selling the houses. You just just rent them out, and you can generate a rental income similar to if you were to build a hotel. You get you know night stays, and whoever operates it pays you a fee, uh, an annual rent, and things like that. So you could you could do it that way. Okay. Um, but generally. I'm not a residential development expert. Uh, it's, it, it, Me it's neither. <laughs> things are generally sold off to a developer. Once you've got planning, right. they yeah, and, and they'll they'll buy the site, then then operate it. It's a, it's a one-off. Hence, is why our concern about selling it is once you've sold your assets once, then that's it. Yeah. You're not going to get them back again. So, the concern is, you know, why have we why why have we done it now? Um, you know, and then there's a the transparency of the system when you had a what we felt was a good good deal to take in this without kind of going back to the good deal that we felt that Simul had. And we've just gone and said, well, no, that's not happening. And also we're just going to sell it to the council. 
think you have to look at you know why why did the council want want to buy the site well uh because they need housing in, in south somerset and in yeovil so the site i think is no secret that it's going to be residential led um and why we upset as fans and why did we oppose the sale to begin with well because as barry says it's selling off the family silver um, there may be an opportunity to create some income and some, some revenue sources, um, but we don't have, it's not within our gift. And you know that, you both know that. It's not within our gift. It's within the owner's gift to do that. And that's where the trust comes in because we have to make sure that the owner is good to his word in this so far as the owner talks about, uh, you know, making, um, uh, making the, the land work for the club. So that's where, you know, the Glover's Trust comes in. We have to scrutinise that to make sure that that is the case so that the likelihood is that, you know, how do we buy the land back? How does the club um, and the holding company buy the land back? You know, because obviously we've sold the club. We're not, uh, you know, we don't now have determination over our, our own, you know, our own brand. Uh, you know, now if you're not concerned about that, then, you know, I, I suggest you should be, uh, you know, we don't have control of our, of our own brand. So how, did, how do we get that back? Well, you know, the owner has to go back to South Somerset and buy it back. Now, you know, the way that that's going to happen, the likelihood, the likelihood that that's going to happen, and I think Scott acknowledges this, is that there are planning permission we need to put in for a viable scheme, a scheme that needs to be scrutinised by the local community and by the club. And then that scheme, uh, which will then you know, have a numbers on it, will have figures on it in terms of the development value, will then involve that land being going to a developer. But, you know, then that, with planning permission, it would be worth a lot more than what was um, the buyback value is. So that uplift in whatever it may be, you know, we'd like to see that invested back into the club. I mean, the land originally belonged to the club. We'd like to see the uplift invested back into the club. And that's, you know, what we continue to, to keep an eye on. Trust has had quite a fractured relationship, if I could put it that way, with the, with the owner. Do you see that? You mentioned you've had one engagement with him in the last last few months. Do you see that changing? Do you see a change from him? Do you see a change from you? There was lots of angry, ranty words, wasn't there, that, that were directed towards the trust over quite a number of a number of months. Is there any sign of that relationship becoming a bit more amicable? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not our. You know, it's not our wish to be at loggerheads with a club. Uh, we want to, you know, promote, help promote the club. But obviously, you know, if I'm just looking at our, you know, our, our aims and objectives here, and um, you know, the first thing, you know, our aim is our mission is to is to safeguard the future of Yeovil Town Football Club um, and build a strong relationship between the supporters and the club. So, you know, that's that's first and foremost what we're about. It's about safeguarding the future of the football club. And currently, you know, there are a lot of things that concern us about the future of that club. And, you know, that's the sort of things that, you know, it's done. I mean, I was, you know, joking about it's Brexit earlier, but, you know, it's done. Our job is to make sure, you know, that that deal rolls out in a way that um, enables the football club to be safeguarded for the future. Yeah, because our, our worry is you look into examples of other football clubs that have um, separated their land 
and assets and you'll do very well to find a successful example of it a lot of it you know coventry i think scunthorpe did it i think so you've got examples where it hasn't really worked it's been really bad for the football club so hence our increased concern about how is this a good deal for the football club? Please show us evidence or where, 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 you, where you feel this is good because the only evidence we can see in a football club being separated from assets, it's only ended up badly for the football club. Hence, our, you know, like I said, we wanted to get this good relationship, but using evidence is available to you. We can't see how the splitting of the assets is, is, is good. Have you had um, many conversations with the council since completion of the deal? Or obviously, we had councillor... John Clark on the podcast and he sort of gave his reasons as to why it was a good good deal and safeguarded you know future in in South Somerset whether that's um you know Yeovil Town Football Club as it is or a Phoenix club in the future have you spoken with the council I have met with with John yeah um and uh yeah I, I mean I think you know John uh and you know his colleagues at South Somerset have done this um, uh, with uh, you know the best of intentions. I have to say, you know, they, I don't think South Somerset have come at this as to try and uh, do a deal that would stymie the club, um, tie the you know tie their hands behind their back. Uh, they have identified and leased back an area of land which they call the core, which enables the club to function, and it would enable the club to function if the land that was being owned by the holding company being developed so i think they're coming from it for the best of intentions obviously they have to ensure that they they do the best for the ratepayers of south somerset um, and you know that in, obviously includes you know their economic agenda which is about um, you know they need to have more residential developments in the town they need there's a need for housing there's a need for South Somerset to balance its books, or as it was, you know, now Somerset. Um, so those two aims are not always consistent with, you know, the aims of the, the football club or the future of the football club. So, yeah, um, it's done for the best of the reasons, but we still have our concerns about the deal, whatever South Somerset continue to say about that. You mentioned the AGM coming up earlier. I know you don't know a date yet, but... Uh... If you could, you know, get a message to the supporters of the football club, whether they're a member of the trust or or not, what would you say to those who, um, you know, uh, might be thinking about coming along? Yeah, please come along. We're going to try and make it as interesting, as positive as we can, uh, you know, and it's an opportunity for people to sort of say, I heard you talk a load of nonsense on that podcast, you know. What the hell we tell us that every week? The hell are you on about? You know, it. You know, no, I'm not you two. I'm just talking about myself here. Um, (laughs) You know, come along and you know we we're only as strong as our membership, aren't we? You know, and I think you know we're at a time when you know people you probably think, oh yeah, you know we're okay. The club's running along all right. The team's you know not doing too badly. We've got you know good manager and. Uh, you know, everything's bright and shiny, but, um, you know, we're at a time where it could go either way, really. And uh, yeah, potentially, it's a very serious moment for the club and we need people to, you know, to engage really and, and at least to try and understand what is going on um, and, uh, you know, come together, I think. 
Agreed. And I think, you know, together, we, you know, the more members we have, the stronger voice we've got. We've, we're, we're already at the Supporters Alliance group meeting. And I think, you know, we are kind of leading the way and trying to make make the club more transparent and ask them not not difficult questions. As Roger said, we just, just want a little bit more transparency so we can know how our football club is going along. The best, you know, we have the best intentions of the football club. The current trust board has probably over 200 odd years of supporter of the football club we're not out to do it down we're just trying to you know do the best for it and if you i think by having a strong trust that can ask those questions and and if you feel that actually yeah i can add to that then we're more than welcome to hear from you and love to see you at the agm yeah we want new ideas we want new blood really as as barry said you know there, there's a lot of experience that means we're you know mostly old people as you can call. <laughs> old old men so we need a more diverse uh, and younger board uh, you know we need people of all ages to come forward and and give us their views on on you know how the club can move forward we want to work you know together with the club but as i said earlier our, our mission is to safeguard the club um you know to be the voice of supporters and the more people that get involved the better in, in that regard I would say as well, both of you are good examples of not needing to be in Yeovil or live in Yeovil to be a part of the trust board. Um, Roger, you were always in your office <laughs> in Devon when we were doing calls and Barry, you're up in Surrey. Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, it, location is not a... Uh, a limit to absolutely absolutely we are now you know in the age of our our meetings happen on zoom you know if it didn't happen on zoom there's no way i could be on the board and and probably with with roger as well so yeah we have those meetings so yeah don't let, let don't let distance i think one of our board members occasionally uh dials in from poland so we are truly international at the moment so <laughs> please don't let don't let distance if you think oh i don't live in Europe, it doesn't matter please Put yourself forward if you if you think you can add something to more than welcome. And do you have a timeline for elections? Is the elections stuff coming up pre AGM? Yeah, pre AGM, we'll be getting stuff out in the next couple of weeks. I'm asking people if they're interested to stand. Um, hopefully, we will have more nominations than places. Half the board have to retire every year, and I think you probably know. So mm. I think um, this year there will be. Um, four places on the on the board, uh, so we need four new four new people. Um, that'll be coming out, like I say, in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully, people look out for that who are members. If you're not a member, please, you know, please join. Yeah, the more members we have, the more stronger voice we have. So it's as simple as that. So please join. <laughs> please, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know. I you know, it's definitely. I thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the board, and it was um, you know there were lots of challenges, lots of difficult conversations, but lots of we were all sort of common goal and supporters, all with the same sort of well different ideas, but all with the same sort of vision as to what we wanted for the football club. So I think it's definitely something that if you know if you want to be a part of it then definitely go for it because is, it's... is this is this a re-election speech Ian? Is this, no, is this, no. don't call it a comeback <laughs> <laughs> 
nice. we have him back. Yeah, yeah, we'd have him back for sure. <laughs> but it's but it's not. We just don't. It may seem that if if you've been listening and you're kind of thinking, why should and we've all been talking about property deals and stuff like that. We, you know, one of the things with with sort of moving on is we don't we don't have to talk. Yeah, you know, we don't just talk about property deals and looking at companies' house websites, which Ian and I really love doing. Um, you know, we can now move on to actually sort of actively working you know to improve our outputs and sort of make you know more more interactive we can actually move on to actually being proper supporters of the football club as well so it's not all just boring you know talking about deals and investment and companies houses we we actually want to to move on and be a proper trust to say well this is how also we're getting involved with the club and trying to improve this and get make this better make this sort of match day. how can we how can we help to make the match day experience better so it's all it's all encompassing not just a more serious boring stuff sometimes yeah absolutely right and our long-term aim is that is we hope to be able to get supportive representation on the board uh you know it doesn't necessarily have to come from the glover's trust it could come from one of the other supporters groups or um but we will you know one of our aims is to try and see supportive representation on the board um so that we can be part of governance moving forward and there can be a you know more direct line of communication from the club to supporters which is what has been missing for you know ever since i've been a supporter i think um today there was some sad news about marcus stewart i uh, just wondered what uh, both your thoughts were and what we can sort of how the trust can you know maybe help with that message of support for marcus yeah, I think it's fair to say, you know, you know, on behalf of um, you know, the board of the trust that you know we wish him all the best for the future. It's um, you know, it's really sad news. Um, he was you know, an important player who scored an iconic goal for us, which will be remembered by you know, I think you know, all the supporters who were around at the time, uh, you know, of that generation will remember his contribution that an important goal that he scored at Forest. Uh, you know, uh, so I know that clubs, you know, that other clubs that he's played for are rallying around as well. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, I know the club has responded, which is, is only right and proper. So, yeah, we wish him well and hopefully he can, you know, stay at the over for a long time and, and continue to do his job. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's scored. Yeah, I, 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 I could still remember I was actually at, you know, you just kind of look to my left and I could see Lindy Gardner coming and I just knew he was going to score. And he just sort of did this weirdest celebration. We just held his shirt up to about his chest. <laughs> and I, what's that? What's that all about? I, I'm so happy. I'll just do that. But it was just wonderful. And uh, he was a fantastic footballer. Sometimes he was, he'd play a pass and have that quizzical look on his face. That was a great pass. Why did you not get it? He was a fantastic footballer. Uh, and to have him play for us was, was, was amazing. So absolutely the best of luck you know for marcus and uh yeah somebody's so young that's 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 not good so best of luck to him best of luck fantastic footballer brilliant guy agreed uh thank you very much for joining us tonight um thank you very much for giving us the platform yeah thank you guys no worries hopefully we'll have you back on again sometime all right good look forward to that
Okay, so this is Dave, and I am joined by Jacob from Cardinals 1887, a Woking FC podcast. So, um, Jacob, I think this is your second appearance on the podcast, isn't it? So I think we should be saying welcome back rather than welcome. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it, it must have been last season or the season before. I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it was last season, I think the overall results against Woking were pretty good. But uh, by and large, our history at uh, uh, at Kingfield is uh, is not um, altogether positive. But uh, we seem to do all right last season. Obviously, masterminded by one Darren Saal in our dugout <laughs> at that time, and na- now in yours. So, um, yeah, I-, I guess that's the place to start for us, isn't it? For from the overall perspective, Darren Saal, you've had him for sort of maybe half a season now, if you had the bit at the end of last season and the bit of this season, uh, how have uh, Woking fans taken to him? Yeah, I think generally it's, it's been really positive, I think, towards him. I think people can see that he's, you know, kind of putting something together, building something. I don't know if that's too much of a cliche, but that certainly seems to be what he's doing um, at the moment. So the end of last season, yeah, he was taking a look at, obviously, some of the players and some of the options, but in reality, he only kept hold of you know, a handful of them, and, and then he signed his own players. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all goes. But I think so far people are, are generally happy. But I think that the issue um, awoken at the moment really is kind of expectation management. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think we're going to kind of really kick on. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. Um, but I think, you know, either way, it's better than, than I think where we found ourselves with the previous manager. Um, and that's kind of as you said, um, I think three defeats against Jovo last season, you saw kind of the very worst of Woking. So I think certainly since those performances, we've we've improved. Uh, but it's just really, I think, you know, how much we're going to improve and, and where we're going to finish this season. But so far, so good, I think, for, for Darren. OK. And just um, talking about the new arrivals, because you said it's been quite a turnover in the um, in the squad. And we've got to start with the uh, the overall old boys in your side, Luke Wilkinson and, and Dan Moss. Uh, Luke Wilkinson was obviously a, a bit of a rock for, for us uh, in the in the centre of our defence. It does seem a bit strange at times not to not to have him there. And Dan Moss was an absolute revelation when we had him on loan at um, from Millwall at, at Yeovil. How have they both settled him? Yeah, well, I think that there's there's a lot of work to do, I think, still on, on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, I know when Darren was at Yeovil, <laughs> well, whenever I was following the results, it always seems to be that, you know, there weren't many goals in your games, but, um, you know, it was all kind of built from the defence going forwards. And, um, you know, I think that's what I was kind of hoping to, to happen at Woking. And, you know, he's obviously signed those players and, and I think they fitted in, they fitted in really well. Uh, you know, I think there's still taking a little bit of time to, to gel with the defence and there's a couple of other players that are out, which will, I think, help with that a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see where it goes. But I think, yes, yeah, certainly Dan Moss, I think people have kind of been really impressed with. And, you know, our defence last season was um, was shocking at times that we conceded so many goals. Um, so, yeah, it's you can imagine it, it, it's quite nice for us to see such capable players in our back line this season. Yeah. Still pick up a few bookings, though. That's always a Darren Sarr way. Yeah, it is. There's certainly been a few games where I think it's like five bookings and, and you get an FA yeah. kind of charge or something, isn't it? And I'm sure that's already happened a few yeah. times this season. And it's just... Expect a lot of FA charges, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that. <laughs> and expect Darren Sal to like rant about every one of them. He was, uh, yeah, he's good for that. <laughs> 
yeah. So um, tell us about some of the other incomings that you've had, because there's obviously some quite familiar names in your squad this season. I mean, um, uh, I know Podrick Almond is obviously one that, that caught the eye because uh, he was, I guess, a big name signing for, for, for non-league. But one that uh, stood out for me was uh, Jim Kellerman, who I remember looking quite impressive when I saw him play for Chesterfield last season. Um, how have some of the others fitted uh, in since they've arrived in the summer? Yeah, Ammon's quite a funny one actually because he actually he hasn't scored yet, um, right. which is which is quite interesting. I think he's done everything probably but score. Um, so yeah, he might be a dual goal on on Saturday. Unfortunately for you guys, <laughs> who knows? But um, you know, he's been he's been good. I think also uh, James Daly's been been really good for us um, so far this season. Um, you know, he he hadn't had many goals to his name when, when he joined the club, but um, his pace and, and running in behind has been, has been really useful for the way we've been trying to play. And he's got a couple of goals um, in in recent weeks, which has been good. Um, Kyron Lofthouse, who some of your fans might remember from from previous games against Woking, um, has been really good as well. He's not he's not a signing, uh, but it feels like a new signing because he's now kind of playing right wing. Um, as opposed to right back when, when we'd have played you before. So that's a little bit different. It feels like a new signing and, and that's been a really good one um, as well. So I think, Am yeah, I right I, in I'm, saying Lofthouse is missing on Saturday? Is he, was he suspended? Yeah, that's correct. So he got a red card. This is the last game of, of a three-game suspension. So he got sent right. off at home to Wrexham, um, yeah. which I think was our last home game. And this would be, um, yeah, the, the third match of his suspension, which is a shame because um, just before that, he kind of got a couple of goals and, and been looking really good. So, yeah, you, you're going to miss seeing him. Uh, but he's I'll live with it. Quite... I'll live with it by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, yeah, probably certainly a good thing, but it's um, it's hard to tell. He's had not had that many games this season, as you can tell, because I guess he's he's missed, he would have missed three but also the game he got sent off in, he got sent off in like the 15th minute or something. So yeah. it kind of feels like he's been missing for four games, really. So um, that's been a huge loss. And um, yeah, we can't wait to see him back, but obviously it won't come. It won't haunt you in this game anyway. <laughs> no. And and I, I'd seen you a couple of times, seen you on the telly against um, Wrexham, wasn't it? The the game that like, say, Loftus was sent off in and then had a weekend against Wildston. Uh, it, it seems that, like you say, a lot going forward. Anderson, you got in midfield seems like a, a, a good ex- exciting player as well I guess if I'm trying to give myself some kind of positive uh, I mean it's something that we saw a lot with with Luke Wilkinson is there's not may, maybe struggle a bit against pace um, there's not a huge amount of mobility in the world one thing you can rely on with Luke Wilkinson is, is winning his, his headers and maybe being well positioned as well but um, maybe struggles a little bit against pace can you give me any hope there whatsoever or <laughs> well, yeah, the, the back line is very experienced, if you want to say it yeah. in a nice way, because um, Joe McNerney, who uh, fell over to allow you to score a goal uh, at Kingfield last season, uh, which I still have nightmares about, um, you know, is kind of kind of mid-30s, Wilkinson's, um, the, I think the same age as him, and then Cuthbert is uh, Scott Cuthbert, who was playing in the, at Stevenage, I think, last season, um, is, uh, I think, 35 now. Yeah. Um, and he's been playing centre-back as well. So there was a couple of other players as well that we brought in who have been injured, so so haven't been able to play. So we've kind of been relying on on those kind of three as, as, as the centre-back. So I think amongst them, that there isn't a great deal of pace. Um, so, yeah, certainly, I think that is something that, you know, can be exposed. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll cling on to that little bit of hope. But <laughs> look, look. No, but the way the, the way we we performed in the last couple of games, I, I might not hold too much on. But looking at your your results in the first seven, uh, one three, lost three, drawn one. So I mean, you've got to be pretty pleased with with that. There's some 
you know, the defeats that you've had. Uh, York, uh, obviously, first game of the season at home was probably always going to be a difficult one. Barnet were in a good run of form, I imagine, when you, you faced them. And, and Wrexham have got, you know, so you know, just chuck money at things, don't they? But so those three defeats maybe aren't horrendous. And, and the wins, Dagenham, Scunthorpe and, and, and Torquay, they're... You know, decent sides you're beating as well. So, I mean, you've got to be pretty pleased with the way you've started. Yeah, it's it's been very measured, I think, which is, mm. is rare for Woking because I think in certainly the last three or four seasons, we've, we've started um, magnificently and been top after six, seven games, a little bit like Barnet and Wildstone have, have been like this season, I guess, mm. and then just completely fallen away afterwards and, and really struggled. So, although we haven't, you know, started you know, as well as some other seasons, I think what we're hoping this season is, is it'll be a lot more consistent um, and we'll set ourselves up for kind of, you know, to, to maybe push on later in the season. So, and I think that that's, you know, typical. I think we're kind of bang on mid-table at the moment. As you said, we've, we've lost as many as we've won and we've, we've drawn one as well. So I, I think some of the some of the losses are, um, you know, the performance, you know, certainly the York game, I know that there was a lot of kind of disappointment around the performance, but, you know, the rest of them, we, we've looked good, but I still think we're probably a couple of players short from, um, you know, r- really doing much this season. But, you know, I don't, with so many big clubs in the National League now, um, and, you know, you guys will feel this as, as much as, as we do, you know, we have no right to be, you know, in and around the playoffs. Um, so I think being around mid-table, we can't be complacent and, you know, too arrogant with it. it. It's a good place to be because in recent seasons, we've kind of been the, the bottom third of the table. So um, I think it's certainly an improvement. Yeah. And just tell us a bit uh, finally about Woking um, off the pitch, because there's obviously, uh, I say new owners, they're probably not that new now, are they? You're, they're American owners, aren't they, that um, have been... Uh, there what's uh, what's the situation like off the pitch at the moment I know something Darren Sahl spoke a lot about when when he left was the the certainty rather than the um, I'll politely call it turmoil that he faced <laughs> off the pitch as the Oval Town manager yeah so they they came their first full season was was last season um, final third sports I think they're called um, and yeah they've kind of come in and I think their main objectives was to, to kind of really spruce the club up off the pitch and um, I think that we were very probably the opposite of, of clubs like Yeovil actually and ex-football league teams Woken was a very non-league club um, you know everything a lot of stuff was done by volunteers a lot of things weren't maximised there wasn't much revenue being made on match days or outside of match days and, and that's kind of been a lot of the stuff they've tried to really change and make the club a lot more professional we've gone full time since they've come in um yeah and and there have been a lot of changes off the pitch which um i think everyone's um you know really really like to have seen happen um but you know it kind of feels like that's what every other club's in the league the league has done so we're not doing anything necessarily you know really different to other people but that's been nice and and then that money obviously trickled down onto the pitch as well um, which which is great and then you know last season as well um, we sold Tavon Campbell um, in the January window um, with, to the Football League, and um, you know, it, stuff like that is disappointing. But but we got some money from that as well, and I think that was probably um, you know reinvested. And, and as you say, I think Darren probably looked at that and thought, well, you know, if I'm going to have a little bit of money to spend, it's it's not a great deal, and it's certainly not compared to what some of the other teams in the league are spending. But you know, it, it's better than nothing, and it does feel at the moment the club is progressing, kind of both on and, and off the pitch. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know why I asked that question at the end because I'm just going to depress myself now. But I have to, <laughs> I have to say that uh, yeah, you, you're very kind to refer to Yeovil as a, a former non-league team. Probably share my age um, for, as an ex-football league club. I should say share my age by thinking of us very much as a non-league team. I can go back far enough to remember. Uh, locking swords with Woking on many an occasion in our previous stints in non-league. So I think, uh, yeah, we, as the song goes, we know what we are. So um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and off the field, we still very much rely on uh, on 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 volunteers. So hopefully, some of the professionalism that we we might witness at uh, at Woking uh, can inspire some of our our leaders to come and see you. But uh, well, Jacob, thank you once again for joining us. I, I'd, I'd wish you good luck on Saturday, but. I say it every week, but I'd, I'd be lying if I uh, if I really meant it. So thank you again for joining us. And uh, after Saturday and uh, whenever we meet again, best of luck for the rest of the season. Sure, no worries. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks a lot. So thank you to Jacob from the Cardinals 1887 blog there talking about Woking. And I think of all the things that this podcast has been outdated for, the death of a uh, a monarch is probably not one we were expecting to have, was it? But I mean, what what we haven't got our resident bookmaker with us tonight, but um, what odds are we giving on uh, the entire football calendar being cancelled on, on Saturday? Well, I see the EFL have cancelled tomorrow's so friday's fixtures have been cancelled and they're making a decision on saturdays i would not be surprised it wouldn't surprise me to see the whole calendar yeah stop we did we did ask ben what odds he would give us and he just said very very short and i'm not sure if he was talking about himself or if he was talking about the odds he was going to give us or not but um yeah he uh he was fairly confident that it was going to be um it was it was going to be off. So, so any point in talking about Woking? <laughs> or uh... I mean, we we must remember that it's the National League, and you know their decision makers are possible. Yeah. <laughs> their decision possible. makers may go totally off piste and you know, yeah. tell everyone to play. Yeah. So who knows? Um, is this is this El Salico now? Do you think? I think it's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because we can't have from Yeovil versus Woking, uh, Yeovil versus Stevenage. Sorry, being El Salico to to this one now. Yeah, and it sounded like from talking to Jacob there that he's um he's quite well quite well thought of uh, Darren Sal in terms of what he's trying to do. I think was the way they did, but uh, obviously (laughs) it was it was quite an interesting combination there. We went from Barry. And uh, and Roger talking about uh, the, the the Glover's Trust and this uh, the the situation with our football club, and then at the end there uh, the chat with um, Jacob hearing about Woking's off the field situation. They're not so new owners, but they're owners and what they're trying to do. And it was um, I was thinking it was something that we discussed. Well, heard Darren Sal talk a lot about, didn't he, when he joined Woking about how the challenge of um, of taking that on at Woking was a was uh, was something that really really appealed to him so yeah i think i depressed myself a bit talking to jacob about that but um yeah he seemed quite well thought of they quite like wilco as well and they they, they love a bit of damn moss so we can't all disagree with that can we but they haven't they haven't suffered um luke wilkinson's uh injuries yet have they so no no 
and you know at some point Darren Sale might go on a bit of a run for them yeah. where they don't win in 12 games yeah. um, or they'll win 12 in a row and then yeah so I think I think my overriding feeling about this game if it goes ahead is the players have got to be up for this one do you think off the back of the performance last weekend at York and that result and then the news which has come out uh, with Marcus Stewart if they're not bang up for this one um, <laughs> that'd be a worry yeah, absolutely. And listening to the manager talk as well about um, exactly that. And Yeah, I mean, we heard after the Wilson performance um, and the Wilson match, we did hear him talk about, uh, yeah, we, we've got into the players and we told them that. And yeah, that's a that's the thing that worries me a little bit is um, what is it going to take to lift them? Because if they got into him after the Wilson game, and that was the performance they put in. I think the manager said in his press conference today that that's the one time this season where they just haven't been good enough. Then, yeah, they've, they, there's got to be a reaction. We said after the uh, after the York game, that's got to be the bottom, hasn't it? We've got to bounce off the bottom and come back with a performance like, yeah, hog ball. That's what we need, isn't it? Bring back the hog ball. Give me back my hog ball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we do need that. I think it's a bit. I think everything was so focused on um, today's news that you know, there's it's difficult to think about the the football and the the tactics side of things. I mean, I'm still pining for four three three and hope that that'll be the case. Still um, on the song. Four three four three three four three three four three. Four, yeah. three, three. Um, but I think, yeah, he talked about it, you know, not represent, you know, that performance last week didn't represent the group. Um, and, you know, it's not what that player and that th- those players and that team um, are about. So I think, yeah, good that he says he's seen a reaction. Um, I think he talked... He talked about the data, didn't he? He said, our data yeah. showed we were below par from a physical output, so we have worked hard to address that. And I think, you know, that's one of the th- insights that Scott Wickens spoke to me and Ben about was how how much data they've got now and how they can see what the players, you know, exactly what the players are, are doing. So I think, you know, I, I felt that the manager's words last week, that they'd perhaps run them too hard in training after the double header on bank holiday. So, um, you know, they're, they're learning. I think Scott sort of admitted himself at, in our interview, you know, he, he's, you know, still new last season was his first time in this job. So he's sort of learning, you know, and working under a different manager as well. He's going to have different challenges. So, um, yeah, I think, oh, if this game goes ahead, I, I you know the the reaction needs to be big. There needs to be a a victory. Obviously, you'll be there to scream them on from the sidelines. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to the uh, three and a half four hour drive there and back again. So, 
Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps you won't be on the sidelines, maybe a little bit further away than the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. on the sidelines, uh, something's gone horribly wrong. I was going to say, I might be, uh, yeah, banned from the Kingfield for, for a period of time, mightn't I? But um, yeah, be interesting to see whether I am making that journey or not. But I imagine we'll, uh, we'll find that out by the time people listen to it. We might have found that out already. Yeah. Well, we didn't we didn't take questions tonight because we quite didn't. frankly it was <laughs> yeah. it's been a mental day. Yeah. I think um all of us have had work things going on that have uh, disrupted things this evening. So um we're yeah. going to leave it there and we'll be back with our regular scheduled programming. Well, maybe not actually. Who knows? Yeah. What was, who knows where we'll be at? Yeah. We might get to Sunday morning and think, oh, well, there's nothing to talk about, is there? So, um, <laughs> yeah, might have to uh, try and find find something to, uh, yeah, to do. But yeah, because it's not another game till, well, say the, the Saturday after. Week, yeah, and uh, it depending on what's happening with a period of national mourning in memory of Her Majesty. We may have know. a state funeral next weekend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll yeah. play it. We'll play it by ear. Yeah, we'll um, let you know. Keep an eye on our channels, and we will we will update you as to what the hell we're doing because we don't know at the moment. <laughs> no, and if you've not listened yet, uh, earlier this week we put out the Glover's Past with Mister Ed Upson. Um, so if you want to be cheered up or equally sad at how far we've fallen from the heady days of Ed Upson putting in the top corner at Hewish Park, have a listen to that and. Uh, let us know what you think. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot, goal! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.